and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast by Opus Partners. I'm your host, Stephen Knight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And today on the show, we're talking about renders versus reality. What happens if your new build doesn't look like what it did in the pictures? And I had a really interesting conversation on Instagram over the weekend with the Kiwi chef who asked, you know, what happens when your investment property is not built according to the plans on the sale and purchase agreement? And what's interesting is that sometimes properties look exactly like they do in the renders, and sometimes they don't. And sometimes the developer is able to change what the render looks like without even asking you. So what can you do? That's what we're going to cover today. For everybody listening on the podcast, this is going to be a really interesting one to look at on the YouTube. But even if you're listening to this, we're still going to describe what's going on. You're still going to be able to follow. Now, what's interesting is here's an example of a property in Christchurch that looks exactly like it does in the renders. It's pretty much like for like, right, Andrew? Yeah, there's not much difference in that. The only real difference I'd see is just in terms of some of the trees and landscaping. You know, this has got a mature tree here. You've got a baby tree in there. But let's look at another example. This is an apartment block that's almost finished up in Auckland. We've got the render on the left actual photo on the right. This is built by Safari Group. What do you think of that? It's almost identical. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It's pretty much exactly the same, but that is not always the case. So here is another example of a property in Christchurch. And what are you thinking about the render versus the reality here, Andrew? I think the reality looks better than the render, frankly. Yeah, so the paint color's a little bit different. So the paint's a little bit whiter in reality rather than the render. I agree, it probably looks better. Probably one of the big things is you don't have actually fencing around your garden like in the render. Yeah, so in the render, for everybody listening in the audio version, you've got fences around the gardens leading up to the entrance of the house. In reality, those fences weren't put in there. Now, Andrew... Is the developer able to do that or have they done something bad here? Have yeah. they done something wrong? Often landscaping is variable leading up to a settlement. That That is something that we probably do see quite a lot. And, and you mentioned before about, you know, seeing a mature tree. Just remember planting that you see in a render usually isn't going to be what you're going to get because they normally have established gardens in the render. Yeah, that's right. So the architect comes along, puts these beautiful images together and it looks like the trees have been there for six years and it's all beautiful and there's lush hedges around it. It looks really good. That's not what you see in the reality because they're planting new trees so it's not going to be there. But an investor, if nobody ever told you about this, you could legitimately be quite brassed off and say, hey, it doesn't look like in the picture. They're actually allowed to do that. That's one thing we just have to be aware of. It's a bit like when somebody takes a picture of a nice brand new car and then you know, for whatever reason, it doesn't look exactly like it. And no, it's kind of like, uh, you know, if you ever watched, I was watching TV the other day and an ad came up for a Big Mac. I have never eaten a Big Mac that looks like in the pictures. Yeah, that's actually exactly true. I mean, the house looks okay, but the landscaping is a bit different. So you don't have the fence around it. You don't have the mature trees there. Actually, in the render, you don't have a letterbox, but thankfully you do in, in real life. But there are some differences there. And in fact, Andrew, I've been looking at some of the properties that you've recently built on Sugden Street in Christchurch. And again, I'm seeing some differences. In the renders, what are we seeing? Yeah, certainly, again, in the renders, much more established gardens because that's what an architect puts in when they, when they put together the drawings. But in reality, it's a new garden. One of the things that's changed here is the fence in the render goes around the front door for unit number one. 
In reality, we couldn't actually do that. The council would not allow that. So we had to have direct access onto the street. So I can imagine that, again, an investor could look at that and say, well, hang on. I thought that my tenants would have to walk through a gate, through a fence in order to get to the front door. And you might say that might make the tenants or the person living there feel a bit more secure because you can't just walk up to the door from the street. But in reality, the council ended up saying, well, you can't actually do that. We're not going to let you do that. Well, funny you say that. The reason for going directly onto the street is for security. The council sees this as safer. Why is that? Because if someone's going to mug, they can't hide behind that gate. Okay, that's interesting. I'm not sure if I fully agree with council, but... Apparently they they know best. And what? Hang on, Andrew. There's no no guy riding a riding a wee wee, <laughs> no, wee bicycle no down the car driveway. In the driveway either. No, no. And there's a small difference where it looks like there was a black panel on the oh, outside. God, you're fussy. Look, I, I I think these look nice. No, I think they're looking nice. But what I'm trying to demonstrate is that an investor could legitimately say, well, it doesn't look exactly like it did in the render. And what we're trying to get across is that is normal and that there will be changes because the architect putting them together isn't going to know necessarily that the council is going to make you change or there can also be difficulties in getting certain materials, which means that these things do change. But the things to really look out for when you are looking at a render and working with a developer is particularly around the landscaping and around the fencing because that often will and can change. Now, these are probably some examples that nobody would be too worried about. I mean, I know the investors of this property, Andrew, that we've just been talking about are so stoked they're going to live in that for a little bit because they liked it so much. But let's talk about some examples where things didn't quite go to plan and the investors weren't very happy with it. So talk to us about the situation we've got in front of us. So this is just one particular investor of this particular development at Wrights Road. This was a property that was recommended to a lot of Opus investors. On the left-hand side, if you're, if you're watching this, you can see the render. And the key difference between the render and the actual finished product, as you'll see, is what, Ed? It's mainly around the fence line. So the fence looks like it would have some sort of, is that plaster? I think it was going to be concrete. So it was originally in the renders going to be a concrete fence with uh, a little bit of steel, uh, the steel gates and a bit of steel fence above it. On the right-hand side, the actual finished product, it actually turned out to be a timber fence, which funnily enough, producer Dave said to me, oh, that's some cost cutting there, which is absolutely the perception. I would have imagined that it would be more expensive to have a concrete fence than a timber fence. The developer actually said, no, it actually ended up costing us more money doing it this way. The reason that they had to change the fence was because they couldn't get the material. The material that they needed to construct the fence and the design and the render wasn't available, and so it was going to take another three months. So they elected to, rather than have another three-month delay, install a timber fence. Yeah, and you might say, are they legally allowed to do this? Often the answer is yes. So I want to take you through an example of a contract. Now, often when you buy a new-built house, you're going to sign a standard Ryan's contract, but there'll be extra conditions at the back of the contract. So things that are just additional because it's a new-built contract. I know this specific contract is 21.2. It says that the vendor, so the developer, may change the plans, including substituting materials that aren't available so that they can go in and complete the specific work. 
it does say that if they do change it, if they substitute some materials, they've got to be similar in standard and quality to whatever it was meant to do it. So they've got the ability to change materials without asking you if they're unable to find those specific materials. And that's so that there's not a delay in getting that property built. But where you sometimes get conflict between the developer and the investor is when they say, well, that's not equivalent. So is that kind of what the investor in this scenario was saying? Hey, I realise I've got the ability to change my concrete and iron fence for something that's timber, but I actually don't think that's equivalent. Correct. That was the, basically the conversation. So th the way we handled this particular situation was actually get the valuer who had looked at the property to say, does this affect the value of the property? Now, if the answer was yes, then the developer would have to compensate. If the answer is no, well, then it's probably, you know, kind of hard luck. Well, um, if it's fit for purpose, the developer's in the right. Now, again, I use some leverage here, so that wasn't how it ended. But in this instance, the valuer said, doesn't affect anything. What do you mean by use some leverage? Well, because we do a lot of work with these particular developers, or lots of developers, and we've got a very public podcast head, I basically said to them, you need to compensate this guy because he's unhappy. So you got something for free out of the developer. I negotiated that contribution. What's important to note, though, is that it does say that any alterations they make can't impact the value of the property. So if the developer changed something with the property and a valuer said, yeah, they've used cheaper materials, mate, your house isn't worth as much, that's where you can go back and say to the developer, well, you voided that contract. You're the one that now needs to compensate me. And actually, I'll give you a good example of that. This particular property here was a really interesting one. So this is a development up in Auckland. The renders show a, a front door and then also a, a big window next door to that. What actually happened or what was discovered during the process was the developer wasn't able to get that signed off by council and so substituted that front door and the window for a ranch slider. Now, there were various other things that they were going to do to compensate the investors who purchased in here, such as build a deck, which wasn't actually in the renders, make it a lot more livable on that front step. But this particular unit, or one particular unit, was purchased by a first-home buyer who was relatively upset by this. The other thing actually on this one is the developer was selling these as one-and-a-half bedroom units. Now, this is a really interesting one that I had to do quite a bit of research on. So one and a half bedrooms, what would you imagine that is in your mind? So that would be a, a double bedroom and the half bedroom would be like a single room maybe? That is exactly what we thought and exactly what the plans had. Now, during the construction, they had to reconfigure some things and the room was no longer going to be an appropriate size for a single bedroom. So I had to look into the definitions of a bedroom to find out this. And there is a minimum definition and a window definition. It's about six square metres, I think. I six think. square metres. And then there's a... There's Five percent of the... Uh, oh, I think it's 10% windows and 5% have to be open of the four Something area. like that. And then and then one, one length has to be at least two metres or something along those lines, right? And it didn't meet this criteria. So we had to make some adjustments midway through construction to make sure that this did comply with the one and a half bedroom because there's no such thing as a half bedroom. That's the interesting thing about the law. There is a bedroom and there's not a bedroom. So your thoughts were exactly what my thoughts were, a single bedroom. It has to meet minimum requirements to be a bedroom, but the way that they built it, it could be a study, or the way that they were going to build it, it could be a study, so we had to get that adjusted. Well, that's sometimes what developers will say, oh, it's a half bedroom. Actually, no, it's just an office. Yeah. <laughs> so in that scenario, it sounds like the developer had 
done it, I'm going to say a bit of dirty on, on the purchaser in terms of at least not keeping them updated about these changes, which is where they were clearly very upset. Now, coming back to that legal standard we talked about in the contract that they can't change anything, as long as you've got that clause in there, they can't change anything that's going to materially impact the value of the property. What happened in this scenario? So in this instance, the developer was within his contractual rights. Well, that's what the legal opinion was. However, this is another situation where I got heavily involved and put a lot of leverage on. And that first home buyer ended up exiting that contract and getting their deposit refunded. Oh, cool. So the developer let them out. It's still a bad scenario, though, because that first home buyer has missed out on purchasing a property that they wanted. And of course, the market can change over time. But that is why you definitely want to thoroughly vet your developers to make sure you're choosing something right. I want to come back to our friend from Instagram who messaged in and specifically talk about what happened with his house. Here on the left, I've got the render. And on the right, I've got the reality. That's not his specific unit. This is a development by a company called Urban Oaks based out of Christchurch. What are you seeing the difference between the render and the reality there, Andrew? And the render, look, I, I agree, it looks much nicer. Again, you've got that typical landscaping issue in the reality. You've got something poking out of the ground, which isn't covered up by anything. That looks a bit messy. But the main thing I can see is there's no gable, is that what they call it, around the window? Yeah, to be honest, I don't even think that looks very nice, but there is a bit of a difference between the render and the reality. One of the things that this particular investor was upset about was that in the plans, and I'll find it for you, there is a half bathroom, since we're talking about things that are halves, which basically just means a, a toilet. separate toilet, in the downstairs. So you come in, you've got the kitchen, dining, living, you've got a half bathroom, and then you've got a wee laundry and sink opposite that, basically, as soon as you walk in. But what's interesting is that in the specifications of the property pack that this investor had been given, it says that in that separate toilet, there will be a wall hanging sink. So, okay, there's a toilet and there's a sink. So you can wash course, your hands. Of course there is. Of course there is. Makes a lot of sense. In reality, when you look at the property, when you walk in there, you can see, yes, there's the laundry with like a little half A laundry sink. tub. Yeah, like a tiny little laundry tub. And sweet, that's okay. And what this investor was really upset about... You're not going to say no sink. There's no sink. That's disgusting. So you've got the toilet, but you don't have the hanging wall vanity where you can wash your hands. <laughs> do you just wash it in the top of the water system? No, oh, I actually have seen that. Like Japanese oh, restaurants yeah, do, do that. that. <laughs> but no, you'd have to use the, the wee laundry sink. And what this investor was upset about was he said, well, there's one bathroom upstairs. I was thinking that, you know, let's say you've got two flatmates in there. Yeah. One flatmate's getting ready in the bathroom. Maybe if the other person wants, I don't know, do their hair or something, that'd be me. Run downstairs, you've got a mirror, you've got a vanity to be able to do that in the second That is absolutely ridiculous that you would have a toilet without a sink. I've never seen that before. Well, the really bad thing is that when the investor asked the builder, hey, where, where the hell's my sink? He said, well, it couldn't fit shrugged his shoulders and kind of walked off. That would be unacceptable to me. So where do you think this stands from a legal perspective? <sighs> That's probably a bit of a hard one, but probably, depending on the way the contract's worded, the, well, see, I would argue that that affects usefulness. So there may be an argument yeah, there. Yeah. Well, what ended up happening is I think he uh, he negotiated to get a mirror in there and a couple of extra things in. So I think oh, in you're the, too nice. In the end, I think he was okay with it, he said, and, and come to terms with it. But I agree that that really did impact the usefulness there. And so if I was going back to, let's just say, the specific clause we were looking at, and as I said before, you can make alterations or substitutions 
as long as it doesn't have a detrimental effect on the value or usefulness of the completed work. So you would argue there, Andrew, this impacts the usefulness and therefore you need to be compensated. Absolutely. Look, a fence is a fence, right? When we were using the example of the fence before, it is fit for purpose. It does what it needs to do. It might not look quite as nice aesthetically. I agree with that. But is it fit for purpose? Does it affect the usefulness? No. Something like not having a sink there. Absolutely. Okay, so you're saying that you would really argue that point, say it was a contractual breach. Oh, look, I argue any of them for my clients anyway. <laughs> well, one other thing that I just want to talk about is whether you can withhold money. So often an investor will say, hey, I'm unhappy with this property. Can I withhold 10% of the money from the developer, not completely pay them? Well, depending on the clause in your contract, it might be different. But I know in this specific example I'm looking at, there is no withholding. So there's a clause in there that says you're actually not allowed to withhold any money from the balance for reasons of defects, shrinkages, faults in the work, defective materials, workmanship, whole heap of reasons why you can't withhold money from them. And look, that's because you've got a warranty period and a defects period in a contract anyway. And so developers often have to pay back their funder. So I don't think that's unreasonable. So long as everyone knows that, yep, there's a defect here, but it needs to get remedied, that's probably okay most of the time. One thing I would say, just thinking about all of these issues, often it will depend on, firstly, how experienced the developer is because they know things. When I spoke to Matthew Horncastle from Williams Corporation about that sliding door issue, he said, oh, I know exactly the problem. What would have happened is they would have submitted to council and there'll be an issue with the load-bearing thing. We've had this before. They strengthen it up by using those sliding doors. And he was exactly right. So because he's a more experienced developer than the developer that was doing those units, he knew that it was going to be an issue and the council was never going to sign off. But again, because these properties were released well before council had had an opportunity to review the file, then there was obviously going to be some variance. So depending on how far through, like if a resource consent's been issued, often that might be a better time than buying before a resource consent is issued, unless you've got a really experienced developer. Well, similarly, the example with Urban Oaks from our friend from Instagram, that was that development company's first ever build. Right. So that's where the inexperience may show. And again, where you want to choose the developer very diligently. One thing that we always recommend for all new build properties is also to get a building inspection because they are the ones that will go through and check all of these off. We'll take the plans and the property pack, the marketing materials to site and say, well, hang on, where's the vanity? It's meant to be in there. And then you've got somebody independent who can say whether it materially in impacts the usefulness or value of the property. So that's where you'd bring in independent experts. We recommend everybody who buys a new build, you definitely should get a property inspection to make sure that it's actually built to code. I kind of think, hey, if you're spending $800,000 on a property, it's worth spending 800 bucks to make sure you've actually got Absolutely. whatever the developer said. I know we always get questions about that. Right, let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. Really does help us get the message out to more people. Hey, if you're listening to the audio podcast version of this, you might want to check out the video. Just Google Opus Partners YouTube. It'll be the first thing that comes up. And if you guys are watching on YouTube, make sure to hit the subscribe button. We release new videos every Monday and Wednesday. Listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Steve McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. Glad to be back here tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics, and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.